Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Uh, so today we've got a special guest bringing us a, a one-off message today. His name is David French. He's part of our community as a teacher at, at Mueller College. He's a middle school coordinator there and loves Jesus and loves his truth and sharing of it. So thank you so much, David, for being with us today. I'll hand over to him. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Shane. It's really, really terrific to be with you here today. Um, as Shane said, I, I teach over at Mueller. I love teaching history, but I also help look after the middle school, which is a great treat. It's a bit of a family affair for us. Um, my beautiful wife is a teacher aide over there in primary, and all three boys have been involved in one capacity or another. And I've asked their permission first, so I thought I'd just show you a quick happy snap. There's the three amigos, aren't they handsome? They get uh, their good looks from their mother, of course. Um, it's terrific. They're in their KFC uniform. I think one of them's not too thrilled. They are about to go on a shift at work. But usually it's worthwhile if they decide to spend a bit of their hard-earned cash and get a zinger box when they finish. A bit of a reward to look forward to. Now, the thing about my boys is they don't think any less of me because when I was about their age, I actually worked at Macca's. They're happy to have takeaway from anywhere. It could be the food court, Domino's, fish and chips, whatever. It all tastes good. All tastes great. But that got me thinking. Have you ever felt judged when someone doesn't agree with your preferences? Now, KFC versus Macca's, low stakes. Uh, let's take a quick poll. Hands up here. Who would prefer Macca's if you had to choose one or the other? Who would like Macca's? Okay. What about KFC? Oh, wow, that's interesting, that fried chicken's so good, especially the zinger fillets, hey, so good. Not very flexible, though, at breakfast, so Macca does have a wider range of options. <laughs> now, in one sense, who cares? It doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, disagreeing over your favourite takeaway is pretty low stakes. Got me thinking, though, what about some other things that people tend to disagree over? Um, sport's a big thing, we all love our sport, but even sport in Australia is no... Big deal, really, okay? Now, I was going for the Brisbane Heat the other night. Um, wasn't to be. Uh, they had an off night. They lost. Chris Lynn didn't get going. It's okay, you know. It's a bit disappointing, but it's okay. Stakes do get a bit higher around May and June, state of origin time. Passionate Queenslanders, we love to give free advice to anyone in the blue jersey. But usually it's just banter. It's just a bit of fun. We don't actually hate them, Okay. Now, confession, I was actually born in Sydney, but I only lived in New South Wales four years of my life, so please accept me as a Queenslander, okay? Here's the thing. I'm so glad we didn't see this down at Dolphins Oval yesterday. Uh, some places, supporters of rival soccer clubs, they actually go to war with each other. They genuinely hate each other. The police have got to keep them separated. We're talking about large, angry groups of men alcohol fueled violence, uh, intimidation, foul language, even stabbings over a game of football. Just doesn't make sense. Their tribal identity overrules everything else in hating their enemies. Just doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. The thing about us Aussies is we're pretty laid back. We're pretty easy going. We couldn't be bothered if anyone starts going off at us over something or other, okay, we just think, yeah, whatever, mate, pull your head in. It's okay, just chill, chill. But it does get a bit closer to home 
when we have disagreements online. I reckon we're all pretty sick of how toxic the debate is online, uh, whether it's politics or any issue where people vent without thinking. They don't realise that there's a person at the other end of that comment that they're making. And sadly, we know that hate speech is becoming so common. You know, on social media, our young people are really struggling under the burden of what's going on in social media. It might be the comment section under the news. People just don't even read the article. They just pick which side they're on and then vent at everyone else. And I think it's a sad thing. That's just become normalised. It's part of our media landscape that we're living in these days. Hating on others just because they have a different point of view. No wonder. It's a real epidemic of despair and of anxiety amongst so many people today who get caught up and sucked into that vortex online. So if there's anything that this world needs a lot more of, it's kindness. It's love. And for us who are followers of Jesus, this is part of our spiritual DNA. Kindness and love is part of who we are. Because of that, it was a bit of a shock to me when I read that Jesus said that people would hate him and hate his followers as well. How does that work? It's always a bit jarring when Jesus says something from left field. Why would anyone hate on Jesus, let alone his followers as well? We've got to check this out. So just to set the scene, we're going to be looking at a few sentences today from a guy called John. Uh, He was one of the closest friends of Jesus. He hanged out with him every day for at least three years. And later on, John wrote a record of everything he heard and saw Jesus do. It's kind of like a biography of Jesus. So as an eyewitness, he had a front row seat to some amazing miracles, as well as keeping a record of the things that Jesus taught. So we're just going to look at what he wrote in the book named after him, John chapter 15, starting at verse 18. This really blows my mind. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. Go on a bit. Remember the word I spoke to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll also keep yours. Now, by this stage, you might be thinking, David, where are you going with this? This doesn't sound very positive, but just stay with me. Verse 21, but they'll do all these things to you on account of my name. Whoops, went too far. Because they don't know the one who sent me. He who hates me hates my father as well. Now that they've seen my miracles... And yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is written to fulfill what is in their law. They've hated me without reason. Whoa, talk about heavy. Why would anyone hate on Jesus? I just don't get it. I mean, the very first miracle he did that John recorded was turning water into wine. That's going to get attention. He healed people. He healed people who were blind, who were deaf from birth. He healed the crippled. He healed those who were suffering from lifelong illnesses. He even raised the dead. 
multiple witnesses testified that all these things really did happen. And so all of these were signs proving that Jesus really was sent from heaven. He really is the Son of God. He came to show that God's good rule was breaking into their sometimes bleak world that they were experiencing at that time. So what gives? Well, Jesus was a threat. Jesus was a threat to the powerful, the gatekeepers of society, the religious leaders, many of whom were hypocrites. They imposed all these impossible rules and regulations on the people. They lost sight of the goodness of what it meant to live for God. You know, that feeling you get when everything's just right. The contentment, the delight of living in harmony with God's purposes for life. Abundant life, life in the spirit that makes all the difference, no matter all the daily issues we face every day. You see, these religious leaders claimed to be God's representatives on earth, but Jesus made it clear in John 15 that they actually didn't know God at all. Jesus was on the side of the ordinary people, the underdog, who wanted following God to be life-giving, not burdensome, not legalistic. Well, the religious leaders, those in authority, didn't like this one bit. Their position, their status was under threat. Jesus was challenging them to turn from their selfish ways, to really submit to God in their heart, not just in the externals. And so Jesus, he was very bold. He would tell them straight that pretending to be better than everyone else did not impress God because God really knows what's going on. Jesus really knew what was going on in the hearts of those religious leaders. Well, how did that all turn out? We know the story, don't we? Jesus ended up on a cross. He was executed. What they didn't know was that this was all part of God's plan. Jesus was sent to take the punishment for all of our stuff-ups and our rebellion against God's rule. I'm constantly amazed, as we've sung about this morning, that God would love us so much that he would go to this extraordinary length of sending Jesus so that we can be welcomed into his family. That is awesome. But this is where it gets a bit interesting. In the same way that Jesus was mistreated by the religious leaders, by the Roman authorities, he also said that his followers would also be despised and even hated. That's really uncomfortable. But remember, we'll go back to verse 18. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. Seriously, come on, we're all pretty nice people here. How can we be the bad guys? Now, I've got a confession to make. I've just uh, been reading a really interesting book. Uh, It's been super helpful, Um, being the bad guys, living for Jesus in a world that says you shouldn't. How can we, as Christians in Australia, be the bad guys? And the thing is that Jesus repeats this a few different times. Uh, we've got a record of that as well as Peter and Paul and others as well. I don't know about you, but I don't really like being the bad guy. I try to do the right thing. I'm pretty easygoing. I think most of us would be pretty easygoing as Australians. At school, I try and be a good role model for the students. 
Now, some of the students might think, oh, Mr. French, such a bad guy, put me on detention again, far out. I feel really, really bad. Uh, one thing that's really super important for young people is that you always have to be fair. If you're unfair, far out, that's it. You've lost all credibility as a teacher. So fairness is a big thing for students, okay? And I try to be always fair. But this is what I'm trying to get my head around. I mean, Jesus is saying that we might get hated on as well. How is that fair? It doesn't seem possible in Australia. Um, we know most Aussies, we're suspicious of religion. Mate, what are you trying to sell me? Um, but if it works for you, go for it. Just, you know, don't impose it on me. Uh, as I said, I'm a history teacher. I love history. I know there have always been ups and downs for the followers of Jesus. Over the years, the early Christians copped it big time in the first two or three centuries. And then from time to time, uh, periodically over history. Uh, even today, it can be super dangerous if you're a follower of Jesus in somewhere like North Korea or Afghanistan or parts of the Middle East or Africa. And to be honest, you know, I'm really thankful that we don't have to face that sort of pressure here in Australia. I feel a bit guilty for saying that. I'm thankful for that. Most Aussies, we have a live and let live attitude. But I tell you what, things are starting to just change just slightly, even here in Australia. Changing around the areas, you know, of relationships, um, morality, what's right and wrong. Um, identity is a big issue now for a lot of our young people. And increasingly, the traditional, the historic Christian teaching on the beauty of intimacy within a marriage relationship of a man and a woman is seen as way too narrow. How can you Christians be so bigoted? Love is love. And this traditional understanding from the Bible is something that Jesus specifically upheld in Matthew as something good for human flourishing. God wants our good. These days, to have these sort of views is not only seen as old-fashioned, ridiculous, irrelevant, it's actually seen as repressive even dangerous for the mental and emotional health of people. So what I just want to finish up on is, if we find ourselves in a situation where we're despised, we're marginalised, hated even, how are we meant to deal with this? It's not a comfortable feeling. How do we respond? Well, pretty simply, we know what Jesus has said, so we shouldn't be surprised. That's the first thing, we shouldn't be surprised. And secondly, we should do what Jesus said. That's always the answer. Do what Jesus said, everything will be sweet. So what does Jesus then say we should do in response if, if this happens, okay? So staying in John 15, we'll just skip back a couple of verses, looking at verse 12. Jesus is pretty strong, he's pretty direct but he's always good. And this is what he says. This is my command. Command, far out. We irk a bit up at that. We arc up about that as Aussies. This is my command. Love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus proved that, hey? Extraordinary demonstration of his love. You are my friends if you do what I command. 
friends with God. Amazing. And this is what I command you, love one another. So the answer is, if we ever cop this, the answer is love. We love God, we love one another, we love those who might oppose us. Love is the key. But love is not some mushy emotional feeling, okay? Love is an action. Love is an action word. It's a choice, a decision of the will that we are going to choose to love God, we're going to choose to love one another, we're going to choose to love others who might not agree with us. Now, at the end of the day, folks, if we don't love one another, who will? Mum, all of our mothers will love us, no worries. But if we don't love one another, who's going to love us, okay? So what does this look like in practice? Let's put some concrete expressions of it down. We're going to support one another in a practical way. If you're doing it tough, hey, can I help you out? We're going to be kind to one another. We're always going to think the best of one another. We're going to extend grace to others as well. We're going to feel safe when we say, hey, I've stuffed up. Because hands up if you haven't stuffed up in life, okay? We're going to be quick to forgive one another as we take hold of the forgiveness that God freely offers every one of us. And we're always going to encourage each other, okay? That's why being part of a community centred on Jesus is so awesome. It's meant to be a safe place full of practical love. And we know that just a couple of chapters earlier, John records Jesus saying that everyone, all people, will know that we are actually his followers if we love one another. So no matter if we get slandered, we're going to keep loving God, we're going to keep loving one another, we'll keep trusting God that his purposes are best for us, the best way to live. We'll honour God by valuing marriage. We'll flee from the disintegrating effects of sexual immorality and porn. We're going to live confidently and boldly in the midst of the anxiety and the fear that is all around us. It's going to be a very attractive witness to our community, okay? Now, I know what you're thinking. Yep, all good, David. Nothing new here. I've heard it all before. Good on you, mate. Okay, this is where it gets really interesting, okay? This is where Jesus goes one step further and asks the impossible. Humanly speaking, this is impossible. Let's have a look here in Luke chapter 6. Jesus again saying, But I tell you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Seriously? Love your enemies? Do good to those who hate you? Impossible. Bless those who curse you. I don't know about you, but I'd be tempted to think a few naughty words in my mind. Pray for those who mistreat you. Humanly speaking, this is impossible. But this is the difference. We know that nothing is impossible once we experience this new life, the life of the Spirit of God himself in us. That's the beauty of the good news. Even if we get slandered, if we get put down, if we're despised, if we're ridiculed, we're called to respond with love. We're called to love people created in the image of God. 
we're called to love those who are different to us, to love those who might struggle with their identity, to love those who feel helpless with their addictions, to love those who are confused, anxious, fearful, to love those who have been broken by life circumstances, by tragedy, by abuse, by divorce, whatever it might be, to love those. We're called to love those who have lost all hope. You see, folks, all of us, all of us have got a past. None of us have lived a perfect life. We desperately need love and grace in our own lives. And this is what we're called to extend to others as well. So this is the whole point of the good news that Jesus spoke, to be agents of hope that God is going to make all things new, that he is making all things new. As we live in a sometimes messy, broken world, we can be filled with hope, we can be filled with peace, we can be filled with joy because of the difference that Jesus makes. Through his life and death and resurrection from the dead, God's good rule has broken into our world. And so we can live clear-eyed to the reality of being citizens of heaven in the midst of all the business that we face. And yes, sometimes even the chaos of life here in North Brisbane in 2021. Once we have this perspective, it simply doesn't matter if other things we're the bad guys. It's okay. Who cares? We're just going to keep loving God. We're going to keep loving others, or one another, and we're going to even love those who think that we've lost the plot big time. Surprising words that Jesus has for us today. After hearing these words, I wonder if you're someone who'd like to join in, to cross that line, to join his team, to come inside the boundary. Today is the day. This invitation is open to everyone, no matter what we've done in the past, no, badly, no matter how badly we've stuffed up. In a second, we're going to finish up by talking to God. If you're feeling today that you'd really like to respond, feel free to quietly come up while I'm praying, just to sit up front, and someone would love to speak with you. Now, I fully get, knowing myself, that could be so daunting. So if that's not your bag, have a chat to the person that you know that you came along with today. They'd love to point you in the right direction. But it's just so exciting that living for Jesus, it is all good. We're called to love him, to love one another, and love those who disagree with us. Let's bow our head and talk to God, shall we? Gracious Father, we just thank you so much for the difference that Jesus makes in our life. In the midst of all the uncertainty and everything that's happening around the world, in our communities, in our families, in our households, that you've got this, God. That you can help us to know your peace and joy and contentment and love, no matter what we're going through. Lord, it's a hard word that we've had to listen to today from John 15. None of us want to be hated. None of us want to be the bad guys. I don't want to be. But Lord, help us to be filled with your spirit in a fresh way today that we might love you with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength, that we'd be fervent in our love for one another, not as some wussy feeling,
but in action, practically, that we would care for each other, that we'd be real with each other, and that we'd love each other, and that we'd truly love those who might disagree with us, who might even ridicule us or slander us. Help us to live for you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.